Hi, and welcome to another episode of Healthy Distractions, a show with two Marvel fanboys who talk all things Marvel except for when we don't. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And Matt, Infinity War. Thoughts? I'll go first. <laughs> so, Marvel just released the new trailer, the newest, and I think the final trailer. That's the final trailer? I think so, and I hope oh. so. Because for once, I actually, I don't want to be spoiled for a Marvel movie. And I will say, this feels definitely like 10 years in the making, that all their storytelling is finally coming to fruition, which is what they intended for. And I haven't been this excited for a movie since The Dark Knight. How about you? What are your thoughts? I'm in the same boat. Usually I'm not worried about spoilers for Marvel movies because I'm still going to go see the movie anyway, and I know that I'm still going to enjoy it. I'm truly going into this movie like I don't want spoilers. I don't want to know what's going to happen. I don't want to know the title of the next movie because apparently you said that that spoils what happens in this movie. So shut the fuck up, internet. Do not spoil anything. I want to see this movie, and I don't want to know what's going to happen. Thanos looks amazing. All of the heroes look amazing. I'm already excited to see some of the interactions between like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and Peter Quill and Iron Man. I think when Cap and Thanos meet for the first time, it's going to be pretty amazing. Or Thanos will just kill him in a minute. Yeah, he'll probably smash his head in. Right, there's, there's that. But at least in the trailer, it looks cool. And that's really all that matters, as long as it looks good in the trailer to get us suckered up to go see the movie. One of the one of the great things about Marvel, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, especially when we talked, we had our trailers episode. They know how to do a trailer. I don't understand how all of these other movies, these other franchises, how they can't do it right. I don't know if it's just the buildup of the last ten years that made it so perfect. Or if it's truly that they just gave us enough to really get us excited. But once again, Marvel kills it with another trailer. I think it's just because they have so much experience that they know how to craft the right trailer. So they know, they know how to whet your appetite, how to get you enticed, and how to reveal enough but not too much. Um, they've slipped up in the past here and there with some of their trailers in terms of giving away too much. But that's, that's, that's like part of the course for these kind of movies. But yeah, according to this, though, the trailers don't... They give away a lot, but according to the directors, we still there's a lot we don't know. I think one of the things that they've already alluded to is that we're going to get a lot of Thanos' backstory and that this movie is really about Thanos. The trailers didn't really reveal anything about him except Gamora opening the trailer with saying, you know, ever since I've known him, he's wanted to destroy half the universe. So that's really the only backstory we have from Thanos. And then obviously the flashback with Kid Gamora. So assuming that at least like two thirds or maybe even half the movie is focused around Thanos, his motivation, his past, there is definitely still we have to see a lot we have to see. I think that's also when just going into spoilers and spoilers in the sense of stuff that the directors have talked about. Thanos's grand scheme about destroying half the universe, which is very oddly specific, wouldn't you say? Yeah. That, that's the one thing about the trailer that threw me off when Gamora is expositing about what Thanos' motivations are. It just came off really weird how she said he wants to destroy half the universe. She should have just said he wants to destroy the universe. It's a very small thing, and I'm being very nitpicky, but the way it was delivered, it was just kind of awkward. 
that being said, I think you were about to go into what the directors have said about his motivation and why it's only half the universe, right? Well, going into his motivation, then also going into his backstory, how the Rooster Brothers have talked about that this is very much his movie, which I'm very excited for, that we're going to see one of these films from the villain's perspective, and the basic dilemma that is facing Thanos and, by proxy, the rest of the galaxy is. He sees life as unbalanced, and as it continues to grow, either we all die or half of us have to die, and that's all he's trying to accomplish. So how can you really say no to that when on perfect logical... Like, on paper, that's like a perfectly logical excuse for doing what he's doing. But it's at the expense of people we love and we've grown up with for the past 10 years. Yeah, and to your point, it makes him less of just some psychopath murder killer. He actually is, like, doing it for a purpose. He's not, like, irredeemable, the he's, comic. He's he's not doing it for Mother and the Unity. He is not doing it for the Unity. God, what an awful movie. Sorry, did I throw you off? <laughs> you did. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, I lost my $12 when I saw that movie, so I guess we're even. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Arclight charges us $15. I'm doubly sure they did. <laughs> so, that means you're probably out $45. Well, that concludes our finance podcast for this week. <laughs> but yeah, I'm very excited to see what Thanos' motivation is. I'm, I'm excited to see what happened to Titan. And I think that's the general consensus that Titan was basically a guinea pig or a small occurrence of the greater threat over what Thanos perceives as the greater threat. It sounds very similar to Krypton, where he saw the oncoming destruction and for whatever reasons, he wasn't allowed to fix it. And now he's desperately motivated to save the rest of the universe. Yeah. So it almost makes you side with him and be a little bit more understanding or forgiving of why he's doing what he's doing. I think the problem I have with trailers and the hype for a lot of movies, especially the big blockbusters, they'll talk about villains saying that, oh, you can totally see their point of view and you can totally understand their, their point of view and they're very sympathetic villains. And they always say that in the build-up to the villain. And then the actual villain is very like present and fluffy, not fluffy, but present and definitely poses a threat, but there really isn't any of that humanity there that people describe. So I'm hoping this could be the exception to the rule, where Thanos does have real humanity, and like you were saying before, that it's not just a one-note performance. Right. Part of the excitement, too, is that the Rousseau brothers actually said that they didn't intend to go into this much backstory or... um, His perspective. His perspective as they ended up doing. And they admitted, I think, to Josh Brolin or... Josh Brolin came out and said it like we didn't intend for there to be so much empathy or perspective from Thanos's side. So, I, yeah, I think it's going to do a lot better justice than most of these movies as far as the villain goes. And if this villain truly tops the Killmonger, the Zemo, the Vulture. Or even Hela for me. Or even Hela. I love Hela too. Right. That alone gets me excited. And when Kevin Feige says he's our greatest villain, I I actually believe him. <laughs> well, it's a villain that's proportional to the last Avengers movie, or the second to last Avengers movie. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. I will say one of the things that is really exciting me about the trailer is how involved Doctor Strange is. There were two scenes, or there are actually like three scenes, I think, with Doctor Strange that I was like, holy shit. The first one that immediately caught my eye was when him and Peter 
are doing some sort of fighting in space, or I'm assuming what is space, where he's like giving Peter the platform that Peter's jumping off Star-Lord of. Star-Lord? Or? Star-Lord, Oh, yeah. okay. I thought you meant Spider-Man. Oh, that's right. There's two Peters. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, it's a big cast. Yeah. When he's giving Star-Lord the platforms to jump around, and then eventually he shoots him. The other scene is when Voldemort, who's the assumed sorcerer of the Black Order... If you're if you're following who this the, the, the Black Order is, he's, he's talking about Ebony Maw, but for the sake of simplicity, he's Voldemort. He's Voldemort. He looks exactly like Voldemort. It's, it's probably just Voldemort. That scene was scary in itself. Like, that guy looked way scarier than the actual Voldemort looked. And then on top of that, you see Strange with all those, like, invisible shards basically holding him up, ready to just... As he screams in agony. As he screams in agony, waiting to just pierce him. And then, obviously, the last part was... The the, the third thing was just the banter between him and Spider-Man. I picture Strange as this more, like, serious character. So when he, like, looks at Spider-Man after Spider-Man is like, oh, we're using our fake names, (laughs) it was just... It was perfect. Like, his reaction was just great. Well, like, his Strange's characterization is... He does have that sarcasm from the first movie, but he's sort of grown up, but he still has that asshole side of him. Yeah. <laughs> so you can see him, like, trying to be nice. Yeah. I think what's interesting, though, is that this film, and I I don't know if we already had this this in mind, but it sort of solidifies how they're going to break up the teams so far. So you have the Earth-based heroes, not Earth, well, excuse me, they're all, most of them are Earth-based but heroes. But you mean, as in the context of this film, these are the heroes who seemingly are staying on Earth. Right. So Cap ends up in Wakanda, and I like how they've said that the rationalization for that is to protect Vision. And then you have Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange meet up with the Guardians, and then you have Thor with the other half of the Guardians. So I like how they divvy that up. But there's still a lot of few unknowns, such as Nebula, Heimdall. Um, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Hawkeye, that's a big one. And also now a meme. <laughs> Yeah. There was another one, though, that I completely am spacing out on Valkyrie? right now. Yeah, Valkyrie. Because what happened to her when Thanos assumingly blows up all of Asgard? Maybe that's what Kevin Feige meant when he said, be careful what you wish for regarding character deaths. <laughs> Ooh. But I think that's a smart way to, work, to, 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 split, to, split, to split up a movie with this large of a cast. Yeah, I completely agree, and I'm glad that they are putting it into pieces i think for this first movie it would have been too much to like put them all in the same scene at the same time right off right off the bat i like it also because they're playing to each other's strengths by having spider-man star lord and iron man in the same scene the three most sarcastic characters in the galaxy yeah along with dr strange excuse me the, that just is perfect chemistry and then watching thor who's taken this more goofier guardian side while still being grounded in, in, in his own pathos but has definitely lightened up having him split up with rocket and Groot that will be a fun adventure and then uh, the mutual respect that captain america has for black panther i like that how in the first trailer that final shot the hero shot with captain america running with the rest of the avengers that he's at the forefront even though it's in wakanda as much as i i love black panther and respect black panther I'm glad that they're saying, like, no, he's he's still the leader of the Avengers. Agreed. And in the first trailer, they showed Hulk. In this new one, they didn't show him at all. So I'm going to call it and say that Mark Ruffalo, I think everyone probably calls this, but Mark Ruffalo is in the Hulkbuster suit, and when the aliens take him down and start ravaging it, we're going to see Hulk bust out of that thing. 
and right. just start wreaking havoc on all of them. No, and that's something else we're talking about as well. In terms of time, time-wise and lining this up, because he's in the Hulkbuster outfit, that gets overwhelmed by the Outriders, which is Thanos' army, and then he busts, busts out of that, we're, we're speculating. But then you see that, that last hero shot in the first trailer of them running. So does that battle go wrong, and then they have to retreat and then go back into battle, like guns blazing? How does that play out? The point I'm trying to get to is I'm also very excited because I think this will be the first big battle in the MCU, where with the, at least in terms of the Avengers movies, where the battle for New York was great. That was a great introduction and in watching the characters flex their muscles and finally just let loose. Avengers two was pretty much the exact same thing as Avengers one, unfortunately, and so that was kind of tiresome. Yeah. So I'm excited to see an actual battle akin to Lord of the Rings or other action movies. And that's, I think, the best comparison. I think this really does feel like. What's the last movie? The Return of the, King. Return of the King. I think this does feel most like Return of the King. Like you have that epic final shot of them just being ready to take on Mordor. Mordor. It's also you know with going along with that comparison. If I can just run with that for one second, when I saw that trailer, that was like 2003, so fucking long time ago. That sent chills down my spine, and that's that's yeah. what this feels like. It yeah. feels like an absolute ending, and I'm very excited and nervous to see where it goes. And that seems to be a rarity these days to have a movie, especially a big blockbuster, elicit those kind of emotions. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that we haven't really talked about, actually, is we see each of the main three heroes in a very compromising scene. In between both trailers, we see Iron Man on what is assumed to be Titan or an alien planet, getting his ass beat without with his suit all tarnished and tore apart by Thanos. A punch from Thanos is going to kill him without his suit. Yeah. In this new trailer, you see Thor getting his head squeezed by Thanos. With one hand. And then at the end of the trailer, you see Cap holding Thanos' hand like he's holding him back, when in reality, that's not probably feasible or possible. So Thanos is either toying with him, and it's just basically trying to screw with him or that vibranium is really strong right i mean i i think the trailer definitely gives that impression that it's captain america holding back thanos but i think it's more thanos is more amused by his his defiance and sort of giving him the, the benefit of the doubt now this is jumping a little bit but i think we should bring this up on this episode you have an interesting theory about where the soul stone is. Oh yeah, it's in Wakanda. That's not. That's not interesting. Oh. oh. Nor is it probably true. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's it's in the sun. I hate you. I hate me too. Don't worry. My theory is that the soul stone's in the micro universe, which we, which we have not well, which we've been to once in Ant Man, and we're gonna go to again in Ant Man and Wasp. And so I think that will be the lead-in for Avengers 4, where this movie will end in, in Kastroff, and then Ant-Man and Wasp will be a very lighthearted, fun, jaunty adventure, but it's going to introduce an element of the MCU we haven't seen before that will tie dire- directly into Avengers 4. Which will, and I also will explain why Ant-Man and Wasp are not in Infinity War, why they're, why they're off the grid. Now, with the theory that it is in the microverse... How would Thanos have ever gotten his hands on it? Do you think 
one of his Black Order would have been able to enter the microverse? Is that tie into Doctor Strange and the the equivalent Black Order sorcerer? I'm sure he has a means. I think I think we we're also talking about how the Black Order, all the characters in that group have their own special abilities that so, mimic the main heroes, basically. Right, right. Like that you were just saying, how Ebony Maw is a source has a sorcerer abilities and. I don't know the other characters' names fully or, or their full abilities, but, but I'm guessing a it's, a, it's a broad spectrum yeah. of they can essentially do anything, which makes them a more potent threat. Okay. I like that theory, and it's to the point that you were making when we were talking offline about this. I like that theory because it brings Ant-Man into the forefront of the Avengers team. It makes him... A very strong character it makes him one of the main characters and it makes his story and his purpose a little bit more meaningful in the grand scheme of all of the other avengers right well i think it finally makes him an mvp yeah and going into phase four they're not calling it phase four but you know what i mean going into that whole next generation of marvel movies i hope that paul red stays on as like a lead of the avengers if there is an avengers I like to see him be more in a leadership role and mature in that respect. Still be his goofy self, but have some growth as a character in that regard. And you know, it's funny. I if they do include both Ant Man and Wasp in the future Avengers, I would probably actually see Wasp more take a leadership role than Ant Man. Right. And she seems like that kind of character. Right. No, she's much more confident than he is. Just to backtrack a little bit, it's more just about his characterization. Him going from this down luck schlubby father to a full-on hero. I mean, the first Ant-Man accomplished that, but in sort of all these Avengers, I mean, him, him and someone else, I can't think of the other character I'm trying to think of, he's still very much just kind of a joke character and more of a punchline than actual, like, taken, held in the same regard as Black Panther or uh, Scarlet Witch or... Black Widow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, I, I just like, would like to see him come to his own, and I'm guessing or I'm hoping that Ammon and Wasp will tie into, will be a bridge to Avengers Four in that regard. The thing I wanted to also touch on thematically is, I said we're not going to do character death speculation, but for example, Drax. If I had to put money on one of the Guardians who would die, it'd be Drax, just because I feel that he's grown as a character as far as he can grow in what we've seen. And he's, and he's even talked about killing Thanos in the past. And it would be also a big, huge blow to the team if he died. I only bring that up as sort of, I'm hoping that's what this movie can accomplish. Where you do feel something. For Thor Ragnarok, for example. As much as I enjoy that movie and can really watch it over and over and over again. One of, my, one of my initial criticisms that still does stand to a certain extent is. It does feel like playing bowling with the bumpers on. That has been, I mean, that's been like a general criticism of Marvel from the get go. And I've always have been a, an apologist for that because they're trying to tell a 10 year narrative over 22 movies. So that, that, that's the slight trade off is, is, well, we can't just kill, we're not, we're not going to fucking kill Iron Man in this movie. So I'm hoping this movie doesn't, have to, it doesn't even have to be with deaths, it can just be with character realizations or closure or maybe characters just walking away from the mantle. I think the best example of that would be The Dark Knight Rises. Christopher Nolan accomplished something that I thought could only be accomplished with Batman's death. He closed his story arc. He ended it on a high note. 
and it was still a good way for him to go out where it didn't feel like it was cheesy or he didn't want to kill the main hero off or you know you know something like that it actually it didn't feel cheap it didn't feel cheap and it had a really strong impact on how the movie played out i was very happy that christian bale didn't die by the end of batman and i thought he did that ending justice by not killing it was i think we've talked about this before it was harder to do that character justice by not killing him off by actually keeping him alive no that's that's an excellent point if they can accomplish that with some of these marvel characters i'm way more in that side of the ring than i am for characters dying off if they can give tony stark and iron man a great send-off similar to what we saw with batman in dark knight rises i would take that over death any day because i don't want to see those characters die i think it's necessary to push those characters in a different direction so that a lot of these other new avengers new characters can come take the mantle of the avengers like black panther strange spider-man etc i think doing it correctly is what's going to be marvel's challenge do i think drax is going to die i think so my only reason for not thinking drax will die is i feel like he might be the one who has to kill thanos him or gamora i feel like his purpose is to kill thanos or to avenge his family so does drax have to see the end of thanos for him to truly get a full character arc or can he die or move on before thanos is actually dead if, if we're, as we're as we're as we're hashing this out i would get super te- technical and say it probably more like star trek uh Rathacon, where he would sacrifice himself for everyone else and that's what would make it much more heartfelt because i feel like his character has grown yeah no i uh, agree I, I, agree. I don't think he would intentionally just go on a suicide mission just for his own vanity and ego and just to avenge his family i think that character has come to terms with his family's death um and it would come full circle with him in the first guardians where he called ronin and his entire army selfishly to take them on -on one-on-one right to the current point where it's like i need to do this so that thanos will die by not maybe not by the hands of me but so that my fellow comrades can avenge my family's death right and the more we get into and the more we get into the deep end speculating about not just character deaths but the narrative threads that they try and tie up, I get sort of get lost in in the water because I don't know how you wrap all this up, and I don't know what Avengers Four is going to hold. So, and 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 also because what Kevin Feige is talking about is after Avengers Four, they're going to have not not you didn't say you didn't say these exact words, but like a multiverse where you can tell different stories from different different perspectives with similar characters. So I don't know what that like how you get from point A to point B. But thus far, these movies have done a great job of delivering on their promises. Whether it's Civil War actually was a Civil War that actually felt like a family family being torn apart, um, so on and so forth. That's why this trailer and this and this movie and the anticipation building up to it feels so heavy in a good way. Now, to jump back to what you were mentioning about Drax's death, are there any other specific characters that you think are going to have close to their story whether it's through death or through a change in their narrative or their motivation is there one or two characters that you'd like to call out and say they're no longer going to be in the avengers for you know reasons a or b 
The only other one which is still in, in the realm of Guardians would be Nebula. Whereas Drax has come to terms with that loss and has grown as a character, she still, at the end of Guardians 2, feels very wounded and is still being driven by so much hatred and rage and resentment, justifiably so, that I think if you're going to do a spectacle with Thanos in it, she has to have some kind of closure, and that closure either ends with her dying or him dying, so we'll see what happens. That's fair. That's the only other one I can really think of. I actually thought that with Nebula, we were going to almost see her come full circle and ex- actually accept her past and forgive Gamora by in showing it by sacrificing herself to save specifically Gamora. I don't think Nebula has any commitment or connection with any of the other members of this, either the Guardians or the Avengers. So in my mind, it wouldn't make sense for her to die if it didn't have a direct impact on Gamora. Right. Well, for Nebula, it would be more that, in terms of her growth, as, as driven as she is, I'm hoping because of what happened in Guardians 2, where her and Gamora sort of made peace, that she sort of catches up with Drax in that growth, where instead of just rushing full-on towards Thanos without a regard to anyone else or herself, she asked the, the Avengers and she asked the Guardians, okay, what can I do to help? Like, I, I want to be part of a team to take down this guy. From obviously I have personal reasons but more because it's the right thing to do we have to stop him from killing the universe yeah I, I, I can get behind that and the one other character that I did want to bring up and I don't want to bring up an obvious one like Iron Man or even Vision I actually want to bring up Hulk Hulk's character has come full circle to me that's sad to say because I love Mark Ruffalo how I love how he's portrayed Hulk, and I really wanted to see him have his own standalone movie. I do feel as if this is going to be the end to Hulk's journey. No, I can see that, and that would make perfect sense as well. Um, I think the only, like, for example, I think the only direction that character can go with is him finally accepting himself as Hulk and letting go of a normal life. I think you've seen him struggle with that and try to walk that balance in every interpretation of the character in the MCU. And this will finally just be him just going full out, saying this is who I am. And it's not Hulk and Bruce Banner, we're the same person. Which makes me, which leads me to wonder if, one, we'll never see Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner again, and Hulk will truly be embraced as the character, the individual, or if we will actually see the death of both characters. In my mind, Hulk is not a character if they're both on the same page with each other, if that makes sense. Like, Bruce Banner and Hulk cannot be accepting of each other, and there can still be a Hulk character. Well, it, it ruins the conflict. And it ruins the, the, the inner conflict. Exactly. So I, I'm curious, if that does happen and we don't see Hulk in the future, I hope his absence leads to the possibility of She-Hulk. Because I think you've talked about it before. I, From what I understand, she's become a very integral part of the Marvel Universe. And it would be very interesting and fun to actually see her, someone who embraces the Hulk, join the Avengers team and become a full-fledged team member. In a, lar- in a larger sense, going through these conversations, the expectation is you want to see proper closure for these characters that feels bittersweet and consistent with what we've seen before, but yet still surprises you, which are, I know those are two paradoxical things, 
so I'm excited to see how they pull it off. Like you just mentioned with She-Hulk, the opportunities that this is going to lend itself to more storytelling for unseen characters, um, for reinterpretations of new characters, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is only Avengers 3. We still have one more to go. Yeah. R.I.P. Bucky. R.I.P. Bucky. Was there anything else that we wanted to talk about? Just to reiterate just how much this trailer floored me. I really have not felt this excited about a movie in a very long time. Me too. It feels I- good. I almost feel like I've become very negative towards new movies that have come out. For example, I saw Tomb Raider when it on Friday, and I didn't like it. I thought it was boring. I find myself saying that about a lot of movies lately. So I don't know if all of a sudden I've become very just... Un- Stan, Stan Marsh. Yeah, very Stan Marsh, or just very close-minded about new movies. I don't think I have been, but I kind of, I don't know. This is the first trailer in a while, though, where I am legitimately just excited, and I cannot wait to go into that theater and see it. Granted, I was excited for Last Jedi, I was excited for Thor Ragnarok, and I was excited for Black Panther. This movie is on another level, though. Right, and the last point I'll make is, I think I'm in the same camp, too, where the older I get, it's not its not even that the movies are getting worse or worse or worse. But because I've seen so much, and we both have, that my reaction to them has, has sort of dulled down. Which is fine, that's just part of growing up. I think the difference is for Marvel is that they've continually evolved and have straight ahead of my expectations with every phase or every movie. Where, yes, I, I understand the general criticisms towards the MCU, and I'm sure we'll do a whole episode about those. Which are fine, and there's some truth to those. I've always looked at sort of the bigger picture, which is... This has been one story told over many, many installments. And through that story, you come to become very intimate with these characters. And so that's why it's, I'm ready to say goodbye, but also I'm not ready. So it's that there's that inner conflict. And if a movie can still do that for you, then I'm, to me, that, that's, a, that's a huge plus. Not to get all sentimental. Well said. Anyways, I'm sure this will not be our last spoiler speculation for Infinity War. But in the meantime, I've been Jeremy. I've been Matt. Later.